Word of God here. Uh, again, First Thessalonians 5. We're looking at verse 16 through 18. We're going to be in these three verses uh, the next three weeks. Uh, you notice the uh, title of the message this morning is Rejoice Always. And uh, this isn't a suggestion. This is a command from the Lord. This is something we are called to, something we are called to walk in, to abound in, and so forth. Well, to set this up, we know that, that in prior weeks, uh, a few weeks back, and for about a four or five-week span, we talked about the coming of the Lord. Remember, every chapter of 1 Thessalonians has reference to the coming of the Lord. And indeed, guess what? He, he's coming. He's coming back. He said it several times himself. And he's not a liar. His promises are yes, and they are amen. And then those last four or five weeks, we, we really went into a lot of detail. We looked at the rapture. We touched on the tribulation, the antichrist, the wrath of God poured out in the tribulation, the fact that we're not subjected to wrath as followers of Christ, but the overwhelming umbrella over all of it was Jesus Christ is coming like a thief in the night. So we're to watch, we're to be ready. That that should have an impact on the way that we live. It should have an impact on, again, our day-to-day mindset and so forth. Our Lord is coming, and he's called us to be about his business. Last week, we really began to to then look at exhortations and truths in this epistle that we're supposed to be walking in in light of our Lord coming back like a thief in the night. Remember that next verse there was, I believe it was verse 12, therefore, again, before then, He's coming. He's coming like a thief in the night. And then we saw that big word, therefore. Since he's coming like a thief in the night, you need to be doing these things. Uh, really, the, the, the whole end of the epistle is exhortations to things the Lord wants us to be walking in and things the Lord wants us to be abounding in and doing. Last week, we really got into a lot of detail of how the Lord wants us to be interacting with one another. Again, he's coming like a thief in the night. So we saw, therefore, comfort and edify one another. And we saw to be able to comfort and edify one another, we need to be in fellowship with one another. The Lord said, as we see the day approaching, all the more we're to fellowship, we're to minister to each other. We also saw, since he's coming like a thief in the night, he says, recognize and esteem those who rule over you, those that teach the word. It brings a peaceable spirit to a local fellowship. We also saw that we're called to exhort and warn the unruly, to uphold the weak and faint-hearted, to be patient with all. Never to render evil for evil to anyone, but to always pursue what is good, not only for ourselves. Remember, we, we, we talked about pursuing good according to the scriptures, but also pursue what's good for everybody. So, so we got this, this call. He's coming like a thief in the night. So I want you to walk in these things towards one another. And again, we saw the key in all of this is getting our eyes on Jesus, of course, being bound to the scriptures, getting strength from him to be able to walk in those things. And now Paul begins to build on this this morning. He continues with the therefores. He's coming like a thief in the night. Therefore, notice verse 16, rejoice always. Verse 17, pray without ceasing. Verse 18, and everything give thanks. So he's coming like a thief in the night. Therefore, do all these things. And then it's sandwiched at the end with, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. So it's like we, we have, he's coming like a thief in the night. Therefore, over here, This is God's will for you in Christ Jesus over here. And in the middle, you know, we're making an Oreo up here. We got the two cookies at the end and the cream filling is rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks. And again, these aren't suggestions here. This is a call upon our life. And we're going to see this morning 
the next three weeks, that as we walk in these things, as we learn to abound in these things, and this morning we're going to look at reasons why should we rejoice and how to do this, that these things will impact our lives. The Lord said he's come to give life and life abundant. And I believe that first reference to life is a reference to eternal life that is found by grace through faith in Jesus Christ when we get washed of our sins by asking him to be our Lord and Savior when we come into right relationship with him. And then he says, now come and walk with me that you can walk in abundant life. And when we rejoice always, when we're a people of prayer, when we're a people of thanksgiving, there's an abundance of life that comes from that. I want to walk in that abundant life. I hope you do too. Also, we need to know, as we saw before this, that call to minister to one another, that when we are a people who walk in the joy of the Lord, when we're a people of prayer, when we are a thankful people, it impacts those around us. Absolutely, it will improve our ministry to one another, and it will vastly, vastly improve our witness to this world around us. We're called to be a city set up on a hill, a light that is shining brightly and so forth. And listen, the joy of the Lord puts forth a radiant light to a world that desperately needs the Lord Jesus Christ. And above all this, listen, when we walk in these sayings, it will impact our relationship with God. When we don't walk in these things, there is a quenching that happens of the Holy Spirit. When we refuse to be a joyful people, when we don't want to rejoice in the Lord. Listen, we have uh, so many promises in the Lord. When we don't acknowledge that with a joy, there's a quenching of the Spirit there. When we are not a prayerful people, when we don't give thanks but watch, walk instead with an indifferent heart or with a heart of complaining, there's a quenching of the Spirit there. But when we recognize of who we are in the Lord and what we have in the Lord, the promises of the Lord, we begin to rejoice in that. We begin to cast our cares upon the Lord and have a fellowship with Him. And we become a thankful people. Listen, it opens a door for, for torrents of living water to come through our life, vastly improving our relationship with Him, our fellowship with Him, our worship towards Him. And then all these other things, again, it's kind of trickle-down spirituality then our witness is more effective. There's more of a joy in our life. Well, this morning, we're going to focus in, again, on verse 16, to rejoice always. We're going to talk about what the joy of the Lord is, and we're going to talk about some of the things that happens in our hearts and our lives when we walk in the joy of the Lord. We're going to see that to truly rejoice always, we must be found in Christ Jesus, and that's kind of a twofold thing. We're going to look at reasons why we should rejoice, and we have so many reasons why, and then we're going to close with talking about how to combat Satan, this world, and the sin nature that wars in our members that wants to steal our joy because uh, there's a great spiritual warfare when it comes to these things. Listen, in Christ, Satan can't steal our soul, but I guarantee he wants to steal your joy. And maybe some of you are sitting here this morning saying, yeah, he is stealing my joy. The world's stealing my joy. It might even be that your own flesh that war you know that sinful nature in our members that wars against our spirit it's it's stealing your joy so we want to address this and this morning what we're going to get in this this isn't just a don't worry be happy type of thing we're going to have a prescription here of truth i'm gonna give you at one point a list of seven things and later on a list of ten things i'm gonna be real clear so you can write them all down i'm not gonna rush through them i'll make sure you can write because sometimes like i miss point two i'm gonna make sure you get all those down and it's going to be a prescription for you. Because let's face it, when it comes to walking in joy and so forth, uh, there's a lot of people that don't have that. 
There's a lot of Christians that do not walk in the joy of the Lord. And we know that we are living in a culture where there is an epidemic of depression. I mean, depression, it, it affects so many people. And there's many people in the church, there's many people that name the name of Christ that walk in a deep depression. Now, this morning, uh, listen, I, I want to preface this with, I, I, my, my thought on this is that absolutely, as you can break a bone and so forth, and it needs medical attention. Listen, our minds and, and there's things in our body, we, we are a complex people. And there's definitely things that can happen physically and so forth. And, and with that, there can be a place for, for medications. There can be a place for those types of therapies and such. But what I want to do is caution you in that. Um, because so many people, they turn to that first and then they just stay there. And they just, they just turn to the counsel of the world and they want to walk in those things. And that's what they begin to put their hope in, the next physician. There was a woman like that that had a blood flow, right? And she spent all she had, all her livelihood on trusting in those things. And when she finally came to the end, she said, listen, there's one named Jesus. If I touch the hem of his garment. And then a healing came to her. Now, again, there are some people that they wrestle with that and so forth. We know the Prince of Preachers, Charles Spurgeon, talked about struggling with depression throughout his days. But again, the Lord wants to give us joy in the midst of all of these things. I really believe that, that again, in our world, not only is there an epidemic of depression, but there's an epidemic of people looking to medications to be able to combat that. And I think there's a lot of problems going on in our country because of those medications. I firmly believe that, that some call it big pharma. I think they're killing far more people than they are helping. I mean, we even look at these mass shootings and, and everyone wants to get political with this stuff with our, our, you know, at our constitutional rights and so forth. But one thing that almost all of these young people and, and people have in common is that they're all on certain uh, medications. Uh, it, it's, a, it's a common thread with it. That, that, that seem to do something to their mind, to something to their spirits. I mean, we have all these medications and so forth, and then, you know, they're advertised on TV, and then, like, side effects may, may include. And then they bring in the guy. Remember the, the matchbox guy that used to talk really fast? May include, he rattles all this stuff. In some cases, death. But take this stuff, and you'll feel a lot better. There's side effects in this stuff. Listen, I'll tell you this morning a great truth, and it's a, it's a sad one. We have a heroin epidemic in our community here. Some of you know that. Others are like, ah, what? Yeah, we do. We have a heroin epidemic, and you know what it's rooted from? It's rooted from big pharma. It's rooted from oxycodone. It's rooted from, because that's an opium, and, and it, there's an epidemic, and that's where it's from, from doctors taking pads and putting it out there. And are you villainizing doctors? Not all of them, but you better believe I'm villainizing some of them. Because there's a lot of lazy doctors that all they want to do is issue this stuff. They don't really want to talk with people. They're not even educated as they should be with other things to help people get free. Yeah, I said it, and you can repeat it. I'm fine with it. Because they're going to be held accountable. Listen, when you, are over, when you want to stand in a place to oversee someone's health, oversee their person, just as I'm here in part to oversee your soul, there is a greater accountability in that. And again, it's not that God's not against medicine. He isn't. He used a doctor to write two books of the Bible. The Dr. Luke wrote, again, the Gospel of Luke, the Gospel of Acts. So I want to come with this with a balance because I run into a lot of Christians. And, and yeah, I, there, there are a lot that, that, again, 
They have a depression on them. And even when you start talking about the word, they even start shutting down. And they want to go back to the medications and all this other stuff. And we got to put the Lord first. And there's things we're going to look at this morning that are prescriptions from the scripture to infuse joy into your life. And then the question is, are you going to take up your cross and walk on them or not? Because I guarantee you this morning, if you take the truths we're going to look at in God's word and you apply them to your life, there will be a flood of joy that comes in, even in the midst of tears and struggles and so forth. In fact, we'll even talk about the balance and all of that. So again, let's read the text one more time. It's just a few verses and then dive into it. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Let's start talking about what it is to rejoice. First of all, we see in the Greek that this word rejoice, it is a verb. It is an action word. It's not something that, that again, we just talk about. It's something that we are called to, to walk in. It's an action. The word rejoice here, it means to be full of joy. It means to be cheerful. It means to be calmly happy, to be well. It means to be glad. And there are examples after examples of this joy in the word of God. So many that we can look at, so many that we can consider. The one that kept coming to my mind this week was David in 2 Samuel chapter 6 when he danced with all his might before the Lord. You talk about a picture of great joy. We have to set this up properly though because, listen, this joy came after there were many, many tears. We know that David, again, was the king of Israel we know that they had come in and they had, they had conquered Jerusalem, which God gave to them, again, to be their capital. And actually, he's never uh, you know, taken that back. Uh, to this day, that land's deeded to Israel by God Almighty. And David was wanting to move the Ark of the Covenant there to the capital of Israel, to Jerusalem, to set it up in the tabernacle, because absolutely, it had to do with the worship of God. We've been talking about this on Wednesday night. Uh, again, they would put that in the Holy of Holies. The presence of the Lord was there on the mercy seat. And so David had a great intention. We need to get this where it belongs. The problem was when they went to move the ark the first time, David did not inquire of the Lord. And he said, we're going to do this and we're going to have great joy. But they didn't do it in the Lord. The Lord gave a prescribed prescription on how that ark was supposed to be moved. It was only supposed to be moved by Levitical priests. They were to move it with acacia poles that were covered with gold that went through the loops in the Ark of the Covenant. They picked it up, and they were the ones that were to bring it into the tabernacle. They didn't inquire of the Lord. So they went to move this thing, not in the Lord, but they moved it with the, the prescription or the counsel of the world. At one point, the Philistines ended up capturing the Ark of the Covenant. And boy, it was very problematic for them. And finally, they said, we don't want this anymore. So they sent it back to Israel, and they set it with two cows on a cart with wheels, and it was brought back into Jerusalem. So David goes to move the ark, and instead of inquiring of the Lord, they pulled it on that, you know, a cart, maybe the same one or one similar to it, and they had two men that weren't priests move the thing. And as they began to move it on this ark, it began to topple and so forth. They, they, they hit a pothole or whatever, and someone said, King, where are we going to fix these potholes? And, and then the thing... I just threw that in there. It began to topple, and one of the men went out and touched it, and he was struck down dead. And a great fear fell upon the people. It says that David was even angry with God, yet David had no right to be angry with God. They took the ark then, and they put it in the house of a man named Obed-Edom, and his home began to flourish, began to prosper. 
David stepped back and saw that, and then David inquired of the Lord. David looked in the scriptures and saw how the ark was supposed to be moved. And so the next time upon moving the ark, they did it in the Lord. Again, rejoice always in Christ Jesus, we read here. That's God's will for us. They moved it right the second time, and then notice here, 2 Samuel 6, 13 and 15, it says, so it was when those bearing the ark of the Lord had gone six paces, <coughs> excuse me, that he sacrificed oxen and fatted sheep. Then David danced before the Lord with all his might, and David was wearing a linen ephod. So David and all the house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouting and with the sound of the trumpet. You talk about a picture of incredible joy. I mean, David's here dancing with all his might. I don't know if he had rhythm or not, but listen, he was, he was just saying, I'm, I'm going for it. And remember, his wife even criticized him. You know, you're a king. You're supposed to be dignified. And he said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to rejoice in the Lord. And see, that type of joy right there is what God wants us to be walking in, in our heart. Now, this isn't, I don't think, a call to at every turn to dance with all your might with a linen ephod, but it is a call to walk in joy. And as they did things in the Lord, when they did things the Lord's way, there was a great joy that came before when they did it in the way of the Philistines. At first, they were joyful, and it was ended very quickly because death came out of that. So again, that's the picture. The Lord wants us to have that joy in our life. And when we walk in that joy, and again, we're going to talk about how to walk in it here in a minute, but when we walk in that joy, it does incredible things for our soul. Proverbs 17.22 says, a merry heart does good like medicine, but a broken spirit dries the bones. And we just talked about medications. Listen, again, there's a lot of wonderful applications for, for different medicines. I, I, on Friday, I skipped my allergy pill, and I paid the price on Saturday when I started doing yard work. And then I went and I, I, I took an allergy pill, and it began to dry things up. And boy, it, it was a wonderful thing. Uh, I'm still dabbing my eye a bit this morning. But, but boy, what a, what a good thing as far as just, you know, just helping me feel better. And a merry heart, a joyful heart, it does good for our soul. It is a medicine. Listen, the joy of the Lord brings an inner peace. It brings an inner peace to know, listen, no matter what my circumstances are, no matter what's going on, I am in the Lord. I have the promises of God. God will never leave me nor forsake me. It brings a peace. I can have peace in the midst of the storm. Again, this is rejoicing in Christ Jesus. It also brings a godly contentment. So many times we're striving after things outside of the Lord, thinking if I get this, then I'm going to have joy. Has anyone ever been in that place? It's like running on a treadmill. You know what? You, you, you never get there. It's, it's how the enemy, again, dangles a carrot in front of people just chasing this, not coming to that place of just having a contentment in the Lord. And it's not to say that we shouldn't be a people with goals and so forth, but we got to understand that no matter what unfolds in my life, my contentment is found in him, who I am in him, who he is. The fact, again, he's coming soon, the fact that we have eternity before us. And again, there is a, there is a, a, a as it talks about here, a calm happiness that comes from the joy of the Lord versus a fleeting happiness that comes from the things of the world where you get something, you're happy about it. Uh, I think it was about six years ago or so, we were able to buy a brand new Honda Pilot. And boy, it was the first time that, that, that we had bought a new car. We were so excited about it. And then 
uh, you know, there was a joy there. And then I think it was about a year ago, we paid it off. And literally, listen, literally the day after we paid it off, it seemed like everything started breaking on that car. And you're like, but it's a Honda. It, it's, it's still breaking. And, and now it's just like, yeah, we're tending to this and stuff, so forth. And I'm appreciative for the car, but isn't that what happens? You get that stuff, and, and we live in a, a fallen world. It's under a curse. Things start breaking down and so forth. The Lord never breaks down. Again, his promises are yes and amen. There is a continual joy we can have in the Lord knowing that my God is on the throne and neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor things present nor things can come can separate me from the love of God in Christ Jesus. I'm in his hands. It's a glorious thing. Listen, the joy of the Lord also also ushers in the strength of the Lord. If you are not one that rejoices always, if you're not one that rests in the joy of the Lord, it will suck the vigor right out of your spirit. Rejoicing in the Lord ushers in endurance. It ushers in an unction. It ushers in an empowerment of the Holy Ghost. And again, on top of all that, it's well-pleasing to God. It gives glory to God. It's a fruit of the Holy Spirit. There's another picture in Nehemiah chapter 8 where the people have come back to the land out of captivity the temple's rebuilt. Some people are rejoicing because the temple's rebuilt. Other people were weeping because compared to the previous temple, it, it, it looked very small and, and it looked more like a shack. And then after that, the word of God was read to the people. The law was read to the people and it said that the people wept. The people wailed. Why? Because they saw how short they had fallen of God's standard. They saw that the reason they were in captivity all those years was because they had broken God's call upon their life. But notice Nehemiah 8 verse 10 in this. The fact these people were weeping, it was an acknowledgement of their sin. They were saying, Lord, we need you. And in verse 10 it says, Then he said to them, Go your way, eat the fat, drink the sweet, and send portion to those whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy to our Lord. Do not sorrow, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. And we'll get more into this in a minute. On one hand, they were weeping over their sin, but he says, don't stay there. Get your eyes upon the Lord because the Lord's on the throne. God's have a covenant with you. God's been faithful to you to bring you back despite you being unfaithful to him. So you have reason to rejoice in him. And we have reason to rejoice in him this day that we are living in. And he says, in this, you're gonna be strengthened. Again, get your eyes on the Lord and there's going to be strength that comes. If we just want to get our eyes fixated on ourselves, even in well-intended Christians that want to abound in it, if you just get fixated on your shortcomings and so forth, that's going to suck the joy right out of your life. Because there's always an issue, isn't there? But we remember that, hey, Lord said, confess it before him, he'll forgive me, and he who began a good work will be faithful to complete it. That's something I can rejoice in. There's good news in that. The joy of the Lord also brings proper perspective and clear thinking to daily living. Listen to Psalm 30, verses 4 through through 5. It says, Sing praise to the Lord, you saints of his, and give thanks at the remembrance of his holy name. For his anger is but for a moment, his favor is for life. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. And no doubt here again, the psalmist is writing during a dark time. He says, we're weeping in the night, but he says, praise the Lord and give thanks to God because joy is coming in the morning. And just the fact of knowing joy is coming in the morning 
brings joy in the midst of the night. You can rejoice in that. You can know, yes, there's things going on, but these things are going to pass. And we'll see in a minute that even in that, God is wanting to work that for good for those that love him. It brings a proper perspective to whatever situation that we are in. Because none of these things that try to rob us of our joy is going to knock God off his throne. None of them are going to make his promises null and void. Again, his promises are yes and amen. And as we've already touched on, the joy of the Lord is going to set us apart to shine for the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I run into people here and there that somewhere have gotten the mentality that if they're a, if they're a continual schlep rock, that that sets them aside as being spiritual. Just someone that is continually walking around with a cloud over them at every single turn. In a minute, we'll see that there is a place for tears But listen, if the joy of the Lord never flows out of our hearts, but instead there is a stream of somber gloom, it is a Jesus repellent. People are not drawn to that. We're called to be a city set upon a hill. We're called to be light. How many times in Scripture, think about Paul and Silas, it's midnight, they're in shackles, there's a death penalty that is looming over them, and they begin to rejoice in the Lord. They begin to praise God at midnight, all everyone else is listening to him and no doubt thinking, what's up with these guys? And says at midnight, the shackles fell off of them. The doors open. And instead of everyone running out, guess what? They wanted to hear the gospel. And then the jailer came in and he's, he's about to take his own life because if any of those lives are gone, he's going to be subject to being crucified. And Paul says, listen, don't worry, we're all here. And what's he say? What must I do to be saved? Well, you talk about a quick turn of events. His light shined in probably the darkest situation as he says, listen, I'm going to rejoice in the Lord. And Paul may have been thinking, listen, this might be it. I finished the race well. I will rejoice in God. If this is it, it's it. To be absent from the bodies, to be present with the Lord. Amen. Again, joy is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. Galatians 5.22, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, goodness, self-control. Against such there is no law. Is there a joy in your life? There should be a joy there. It's a fruit of the Spirit of God. So this morning in Christ Jesus, you have all the reason in the world to rejoice. And yes, we live in times of peril. We live in times of great deception and apostasy. We live in days that are dark. And all these things are robbing many, many people of salvation. But we cannot allow them to rob us of the joy of the Lord no matter how dark the day gets. Because our God is on the throne. He is ruling and reigning upon high. And I really, really believe the enemy, one of his tactics is, again, is to get Christians so focused in on the issues, and we need to be aware of the issues, but in the midst of all of that, we forget that, okay, number one, God prophesied this stuff. Number two, God is on the throne. The Lord is with us. The Lord is coming back. We have reason to rejoice in the midst of having a somber outlook on top of all of these things. Now, again, he says here, this is God's will for us in Christ Jesus, So it's God's will, it's God's desire in the midst of whatever's going on, whether good or bad, that we have a constant joy in our hearts. 
There's a great example of this in the book of Habakkuk. The prophet in chapter 3, he's lamenting over the fact that the nation is rebellion in rebellion. There's no fruit on the vine and so forth. But he says, yet in all of this, in the midst of it, I'm going to rejoice in the Lord. I look around and I see, you know what, a, a, a scorched earth, so to speak, situation here. It seems like everything is just broken down and so forth. But I'm going to rejoice in God because this is the product of sin. But God is the one that has given me salvation. Notice here, Habakkuk 3:17 through 18. Though the fig tree may not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines... Through the labor of the, though, the, though the labor of the olive tree may fail, and the fields yield no food, though the flock may be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord, the joy and the God of my salvation. He had an eternal perspective. Again, he's looking around. It's like it's scorched earth. I don't see any fruit anywhere, but I'm going to look up, and I'm going to rejoice in God because he's the God of my salvation. This is the result of sin and yet God, for them, is sending a Savior. For us, the Savior has come, so I'm going to rejoice in Him. And again, if there are no tears, how can you have joy? It's like there's no, if there's no bad news, there's no good news. These things balance each other out. And this is a joy that God wants it to be eternal for us. And in Christ, it will be eternal. Jesus talks about hell, and He says in Matthew 13, 49, there will be wailing and the gnashing of teeth of those that shun, again, being in Christ Jesus. Those that choose to be their own God. But those in Christ, we read in Matthew 25, 23, he's going to tell us, enter the joy of your Lord. What a glorious thing. Now, in all of this, the basis of it, we already begin to touch on it, is being in Christ Jesus. Again, he doesn't say just rejoice always and drop it. He says rejoice always, for this is God's will in Christ Jesus for you. And if you're not in Christ Jesus, if you don't have right standing with God, you may gain the whole world and it may bring temporary happiness, but it's not going to be an everlasting and real joy. What a horrific thing to gain the whole world and then one day die and stand before God Almighty and give an account for your life. And God says, I blessed you with all this. I gave you a whole the world. And yet you reject the God who gave it to you. What a horrific thought. Real joy, again, starts with having right standing with the author of joy, God Almighty. We know outside of Christ, we're in our sin, we're in condemnation, we're under wrath, and we know Jesus Christ came to live a sinless life, to go to the cross of Calvary for us, to take the wrath due, upon, due us upon himself, that he went to the grave, he resurrected from the grave and defeated those things, our enemies, that when we repent, we put our trust in him to be our Lord and Savior, we receive salvation. That's where it starts. Is Jesus your Lord today? Can you say amen to that? Amen. Listen, that's where it starts. Ephesians 2, 13. But now in Christ Jesus, you who are once, once far off have been brought near by the blood of Jesus Christ. And then from there, and we talk about this often. We've been talking about it in 1 Thessalonians. Now we're called to walk daily with the Lord. To walk in the light. To take the freedom we have in Christ, we're no longer under the law, we're under grace. Let's go walk in that grace. Again, all things are lawful, but they're not all profitable. If you want to go walk in the dark versus walking what God has for you, you are not going to find joy there. You might find some islands of happiness, but that island will soon shrink up. God loves you too much. He's a jealous God to allow you to have a joy in things that are there to try to steal your witness, steal your soul, to get you to waste your life. 
But when we say, I'm going to walk in the light. I want to keep short accounts with him. I want to bring my struggles before him. I want to walk in his word. I want to be a worshipful man, a worshipful woman. Whatever it is, there is a joy found in, <coughs> in that. Jesus said in John 15, 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. So we got to abide in the Lord. And no doubt there are many Christians that do not have a joy of the Lord because they do not abide in the Lord. God is not even on their radar. Outside of maybe a Sunday morning service here or there, or the, the, the Christian or the Christmas and Easter crowd, he's just not on their radar. And they're running around and they find little islands of happiness, but they're short-lived. There's not an abundance of joy. It's God chastising individuals, saying, listen, come to me. Find the joy of the Lord. There's going to be islands here too, but listen, our eyes are upon him. He's given us an abundance of things, but they're secondary. And again, he is to be first. It's interesting, David, the same man who rejoiced in the Lord, we read later on in 2 Samuel, he falls into adultery. He tries to cover that adultery up. And many of the Psalms, he writes about the state of his soul when he was in that place. Yes, he knew the Lord, he was in the Lord, he trusted in the Lord, but he chose not to walk in the Lord in those times. And he said in Psalm 38, 3, there is no soundness in my flesh because of your anger, nor any health in my bones because of my sin. And there is a great liberation and a great freedom when we are taking things that we're hiding from God and we bring them before him and we say, Lord, I you can be a thousand steps away and yet it's only one step back to get in that place of abiding in Christ now we balance this again Philippians 4 4 says rejoice and the Lord always again I will say rejoice and yet James 4 9 says lament and mourn and weep let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom and you're like I don't know what to do here but there's a balance I thought about this this week. I thought, boy, this verse 16, there's two words there, rejoice always. And I thought about another scripture. It's the shortest verse in the Bible. John eleven thirty five. does anyone know it? Jesus wept. Rejoice always, but Jesus wept. Luke 10, 21 says Jesus rejoiced. We look at the Lord going to the cross and there was anguish in his soul. There was a mourning in his soul. When he looked at Jerusalem rejecting him, there was a mourning in his soul. He looked at the people and he saw them like scattered sheep without a shepherd. And there was a mourning there. Again, he was going to the cross there and he knew the wrath of the Father was about to be placed on or there'd be a separation between him and the Father. And yet in Hebrews 12 verse 2, it says, For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame. And in the midst, again, of, of the tears and lamenting, there was a great joy because he said, listen, he was lamenting over sin, but he had a joy because he was going to make a way for sin to be forgiven. It's a two-sided coin, really. We're on one side, we need to be sober. One side, we need to be, you know what, realist. We need to look at, again, the, the, the fallen state. But on this other hand, we rejoice because we have victory in the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'll tell you, there's some people that don't have a lot of joy. There's other people that never weep. They never lament. They never mourn. They're numb to the reality of death and sin and Satan and our fallen state, our shortcomings, deception, spiritual warfare, lukewarmness. 
persecution, the persecuted church, the coming judgment of God. They think church is about hanging out and having fun while the world around us is going down in flames and their spiritual gifts and God's word are buried in their backyard. We got to have a balance in this. We better be, again, sober-minded, full of tears for this fallen world. But boy, doesn't that all the more bring the joy of the Lord? When we see these things for what they are and then to know, but I'm washed, I'm cleansed, I'm forgiven, and I have a message to bring these people that can save their souls. And so it's a balance. It's a two-sided coin. And that's why he can say weep and lament and mourn and at the same time say rejoice always. Rejoice always in all of it. And again, in all those tears, we can. There is great joy found in the fulfilled promises of God and the promises that will be fulfilled. Again, this is being in Christ Jesus. We rejoice in him. If you want to go rejoice in other things, I I think absolutely we can thank God and we can say, Lord, thank you for this. That's part of giving thanks. But if you just want to rejoice in stuff and not rejoice in the Lord, that, that, that joy is going to be turned to gloom one day. It's going to fail you. But when we rejoice in the Lord, it can be an ongoing, again, because he is on the throne. What I want to do you now, do now is give you two lists. And the first one I want to give you is seven promises of God, some that have been fulfilled, some that will soon be fulfilled that you can rejoice in. And this is, again, where we need to stand in these truths. 2 Corinthians 1.20 says, For all the promises of God in him are yes, and in him amen to the glory of God through us. So the first promise, we know man was lost, man was without hope, yet God promised a Savior and he came. So number one, God promised a Savior and he came. It's amazing how many verses around the birth of Christ talk about rejoicing, they talk about joy. Luke, and it's in the midst of an incredibly dark time. Luke 144, it says, For indeed, as soon as the voice of your greeting sounded in my ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. Mary came with Jesus in her womb to Elizabeth's house, her aunt. John the Baptist was in her uh, belly, and John leaped for joy. He understood the Spirit of God was upon him in the womb that the Savior of the world has come. And listen, that is all the reason in the world to rejoice because all these things around us are going to come to an end one day. Number two, that Savior came and he died, he rose from the grave, and he defeated sin, death, Satan, and hell. And this morning, if you're in Christ Jesus, you have partaken of that victory by grace through faith in him. That is reason to rejoice. Listen, all these other things, they're going to come and go. Eternity is going to last for eternity. We have an incredible future and hope. We have victory in Jesus Christ. Psalm 13, 5, but I have trusted in your mercy. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I don't care what's going on in your life. If Jesus is your Lord, you have reason to rejoice this day. And when you don't, Satan is getting a victory in your life. Because he says, I got them right here. They're short-sighted. They're not seeing the bigger picture. I just got them fixated on this stuff. And even while they're fixated on this, their joy is being sucked out of them. Their light is dimming. They're not being effective. I'm stealing from them. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Number three, he is coming again. Again, he's coming like a thief in the night. Therefore, rejoice always. Our Lord is coming back. And he is going to, number four, 
restore and set in order all of creation. A renewed body, wipe every tear away. We're going to rule and reign with them. Revelation 21.4, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. That's reason to rejoice. In Luke 10, God, or Jesus sent out the 70. They went out and they ministered. They came back rejoicing because he said, even the demons are subjected to us in your name. And the Lord says, don't rejoice in this, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. That's reason to rejoice, isn't it, this morning? Number five, he works all for good for those that love him. And we saw a picture of loving him as we keep his word. Romans 8, 28, we know all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purposes, and that includes trials. James 1, 2, my brother, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing the testing of your faith produces patience, but let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect, complete, lacking nothing. And how many times do we get in trials and all our joy begins to go out the door because we are not biblically minded? The Lord says, listen, rejoice in this because I'm working a work in your life. This isn't just happening, you know what, by chance. God is orchestrating things. God is allowing things to unfold for his glory, for your good. Number six, while we're here, he is still with us. He's coming back like a thief, but he is with us. And he has promised to supply all our wants, no, all our needs, according to his riches and glory. Psalm 68, 19, blessed be the Lord who daily loads us with daily benefits, the God of our salvation. (laughs) Daily benefits. Rejoice in that. Rejoice that in Christ Jesus, you are under his economic plan you are in the economy of the kingdom of god and he said i'm going to supply your needs he daily loads us with benefits that is reason to rejoice and then number seven the lord declared he's going to bring beauty for ashes and oil of joy for mourning listen to what the lord declared this was prophesied in isaiah then the lord proclaimed this saying it was the fulfilled in his coming isaiah 61 1 through 3 the spirit of the lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach the good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to counsel those who mourn in Zion, to the day of, to, to, to give them beauty for ashes and joy, joy of oil for mourning, the garment of praise for a spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. That's reason to rejoice. That even in the midst of tears, God wants to bring an oil of gladness. Now lastly in all this, again, we are in a spiritual battle. And the enemy of our soul, our world, and even our flesh, which wars against our spirit, works hard to take away our joy. And yet we are called to combat this. We are called to engage in spiritual warfare. 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 6, Though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments and everything that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ, being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. Have you ever had those thoughts come in? If you have no reason to rejoice... It's all going to end. 
You gonna let that hover over you or are you gonna stand in the promises of God and say, wait a minute, God's the God of my salvation. God's on the throne. God's working all this for good, recounting these promises to begin to punish those thoughts. That's where we gotta take this prescription and we have to walk in it. We have to combat these things. But the enemy, again, wants to put us in a corner, suck away our joy, lock the door, say, I've thrown away the key, and to get us in this state of saying, this is just how things are. And the Lord says, no, come out of this. Rejoice always. Rejoice in God. Rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in the God of your salvation. So I want to close in giving you 10 things that will usher in the joy of the Lord. There's more than this. These are very practical things. Number one, joy is found in remembering who our God is. There's many names for God. There's many descriptions of God. Remembering who he is brings a joy. Psalm 97.1, the Lord reigns, let the earth rejoice. That's a wonderful thing to bring the joy of the Lord in. All this is going on, but the Lord reigns. Let me rejoice in the Lord. Let the multitude of islands be glad. Clouds and darkness surround him. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne. A fire goes before him and burns up his enemies round about. His lightning light the world. The earth sees and trembles. The mountains melt like wax at the presence of the Lord. At the presence of the Lord, the whole earth, the heavens declare his righteousness and all the people see his glory. Begin to remember who your God is. Recount who he is through the scripture. Number two, joy is found in worshiping God. When we worship God, we see him as he is. He's magnified. He's big. Everything else we see it as is is small. When we get our eyes on him, at times all these things get big and we make God small in our own eyes. Luke 24, 52, and they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy as they just got before God and they worshiped him. And we are called to worship him in our lives daily. We are called to gather together and worship him. We got to know that when we come here to worship God, it's not the opening act. It's something God has called us to do. Number three, joy is found in fellowship with God in his presence through prayer. Acts 2.28, it says, you have made known to me the ways of life. You will make me full of joy in your presence. I have learned over the years, one of the keys to enduring as a pastor is to be a person of prayer. It's not optional. And there's so many things that make you sorrowful. There's so many things that come in. There's so many lies that Satan comes in. You're done. You're finished. You can't do it. This and that and the other. And I found when I just say, listen, I'm going to go get before God. And I'm going to get on my face. And I'm going to lay it all down. Time and time and time and time and time again. And joy comes from the presence of the Lord. From getting before him. Are you walking on that? Are you practicing that? Or something, well, I know about that, but I'm over here. We got to apply this. Number four, joy. There's a joy that comes, a washing of sorrow that, fa- that comes when we get into God's word. Jesus said in John 15, 11, these things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be full. And Proverbs 12, 25, anxiety in the heart of a man causes depression, but a good word makes it glad. There's times you just get in God's word. Have you ever gotten God's word and like half hour later, later you can't remember what you read, but you just know your soul was washed? 
There was just a washing that comes. Number five, joy is found when we remember who we are in Christ. Luke 1, 28, an angel said to Mary, you are, the highly, you are a highly favored one, and so are we. Listen to 1 Peter 2, 9, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. You were once not a people, but now are the people of God who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Knowing who you are in the Lord, the scripture says that we are kings and priests. Yet how many times we walk around thinking that we're, we're spiritual paupers? Know who you are in the Lord. Stand in that. Number six, joy comes when we repent of sin and walk in the light. And we've already touched on this quite a bit. The Bible says if you sow, if you, if you sow sin, you will reap sorrow. Paul in 2 Corinthians 7, 9 says, now I rejoice not that you were made sorrow, sorry, but that your sorrow led to repentance. And he's talking about the man that was put out of the church because of sexual immorality. He repented. He had a sorrowful heart. And Paul said, now there's a joy here because you have repented. Number seven, joy comes when we lay down our agenda and ask for a fresh filling of the Spirit of God. This goes along the same lines. Again, Romans 14, 17. The kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Along the same lines as well, number eight. I think this one's huge. Joy is found when we count this life as not dear to us, but instead choose an eternal perspective. This is what Paul said in Acts 20, 24. But none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself so that I may finish my race with joy. There's just too many times we count this life dear to ourselves. Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my disciples would take up swords and fight. I'm going to tell you a truth right now that can liberate many people if they would hear it and apply it. Let's just say this pulpit represents this life and the stuff in this life. And there's so many people, they just cleave to it, don't they? I'm just going to ride this out, all my stuff. And they just cleave to this life. Everything's just about, they don't take steps of faith. Everything's just, you know what? I want to get all the counsel from the world and be cautious. And they just cleave to this. They just right up here and they just anchor themselves on it here and let me tell you you're attaching yourself to a leech that will suck the joy right out of your heart there is a freedom when you understand listen my life's in god's hands this might be my last day today the bible says those that buy should not live as if they possess i'm here to serve god i'm not here to cleave to these things i want to be thankful for these things i want to give Glory to God for these things. I want to be appreciative of them. But these aren't my God. He is my God. You start counting your life dear to yourself and holding all of this stuff. It's not that your life isn't precious. The Lord laid down his life. But we have eternal life. And we have a world that coaches us to do this at every turn. Verse 9, joy is found when we work for God and others. 2 Corinthians 1.24, now that we have dominion over your faith, not that we have dominion over your faith, but our fellow workers for your joy, for by faith we stand. There's so many folks, they have no joy because they are so fixated on themselves. And when we get out and we begin to serve others, we begin to serve the Lord, a flood of joy comes in. You know when retrievers are the most happy? When they're retrieving. You ever see their tails go? 
I mean, these dogs, these things are bred into them. When they're doing what they were bred to do, I mean, the tail. There's a joy. We were saved by grace through faith unto good works. And when you say, I'm going to get out and begin to serve. I'm going to begin to minister to others. I want to honor the Lord in this. A flood of joy will come in. Number 10, joy is found in Christian fellowship and praise reports that come with that. 3 John 1, 4, I have no greater joy than hearing my children walk in truth. Walking in truth, walking in fellowship. Remember we're told as we see the day approach, not to forsake the assembling, but all the more come together, encourage one another. There's great joy found in that when we walk in the light together, those praise reports. Let's stand up right now. We're barely scratching the surface on this this morning. We barely cracked into the Psalms. Boy, you talk about so many scriptures on joy. And I just really, really encourage you to follow up, to go home and do your homework. As the worship team comes up, we'll close with this in prayer. Psalm 511. But let, those, but let all those rejoice who put their trust in you. Let them ever shout for joy because you defend them. Let those also who love your name be joyful in you. For you, O Lord, will bless the righteous with favor. You will surround him as with a shield. O Lord God, we want to walk in your joy. Lord, I would hope and pray, God, I know the enemy of our soul even wants to steal these seeds this morning. I know the enemy of our soul wants to raise up lies against the knowledge of God and say to certain people here, but this doesn't apply to you. But this won't help you. Oh, but you tried that once, and boy, look how that worked out. Lord, we pray this morning would be a time of liberation, a time of freedom, that you would bring restoration of the joy of the Lord upon those that have just, God, uh, have, have lost sight of it. We want to pray, God, these things could be walked in. Lord, we know that you are the great physician, so help us in this, God. We need great grace, and we need great mercy, Lord. And this morning, if you have a call on the Lord, Again, you've heard the gospel today, and today is the day of salvation. It is time to repent from sin and trust in Jesus that times of refreshing can come from his presence. We thank you, Lord. We glorify you. We want to worship you right now. Let's rejoice in the Lord. Let's worship him that his joy can be ushered into this place. Give thanks to the Lord.
worthy of the time. So I, I said, I'll, I think I'll do just rejoice always. How can I fill up a whole message with that? Well, boy, we barely scratched the surface. So God bless you. Pray have a wonderful day in the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.